Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Just wanted to remind you all briefly that we are now on Patreon. Head on over to www.patreon.com backslash Conquering Columbus to check it out. You can uh, donate to us via small monthly contributions, and you get cool rewards for uh, doing it, so go check it out. And uh, also, wanted to give a big shout-out to our sponsors over at AWH. AWH are builders of exceptional digital products for the web and mobile that drive business for select growth companies. They've got over 4,500 applications developed and 10 million users enjoying their products. And they are focused on solving problems and improving lives through better software applications. To find out more about AWH, check out awh.net and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. And with that, let's get the episode started. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day choosing greatness greatness doesn't choose you you know you have to choose it and yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. On today's episode, we have a good friend of Mike and myself, Mr. Mikey Pasillo. A little bit of background on Mikey. Grew up in the Cleveland, Ohio area and attended Walsh Jesuit High School. Probably best known up to this point in his life for his remarkable wrestling career. Some background on that career. In high school, he won the 189-pound Ohio High School Wrestling State Championships. That was in 2005. Overall, he was a three-time Ohio High School Wrestling State finalist and placed all four years of the Ohio High School State Wrestling Tournament. He was a three-time district and four-time sectional champion, 2005 senior national champ, 2005 outstanding wrestler in the Beast of the East, and the 2004 Ironman champion, among many other accolades. He started his collegiate career at Hofstra, where he later transferred following, quote-unquote, following head coach Tom Ryan, which we'll talk about later in this episode, to The Ohio State University. As a Buckeye, Mike was a three-time All-American, placing sixth in the 2007 NCAA tournament, winning the 2008 NCAA tournament, along with the Big Ten Tournament, and then was the 2009 NCAA runner-up. He missed only one year of All-America honors, losing a close one in the blood round. For those of you that are unfamiliar with the sport of wrestling, Mike has easily notched his place in the record books of the sport and is among one of the top collegiate wrestlers to ever step on the mat. Another unique part of Mikey's story that we dive into in this episode is that Mikey recently came out about two years ago as an openly gay male. We talked to him a lot about his struggle with his identity, especially in a sport that isn't very accepting of the LGBT community at times, and it was really eye-opening for Josh and I, and it probably hits a little closer to home for us than others just because Mikey's a good friend of ours, but his hope for the episode and our hope is that it'll help people who are struggling with similar situations and help to normalize what shouldn't be a situation at all. And with that, let's dive into the episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. So Mike, how's your day going so far? It's going good. It's going real well, man. I appreciate you guys having me out here. So talk a little bit. We'll get back to the beginning here in a second, but talk a little bit about what you do today and uh, how your day's going and kind of what life is like for Mike Pasillo. Sure. Uh, daily basis today, I work uh, for a, a third-party logistics company here in uh, Columbus, actually. Uh, wrestling really got me into this job here. Um, Tommy Rollins. Um, who I believe you guys had on before. He is also involved in the company. Uh, we work side by side with the with the produce company that he works with or he works for, and uh, we handle all of their trucking needs. And then when I came on, we basically kind of started. Uh, it was it was already started when I started working there, but we started kind of branching out to outside customers and outside potential prospects. And uh, that's really what we're trying to do is we're trying to grow the outside business compared to uh, just handling our own company stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. We could talk more about that <clears throat> when we get to it, but I definitely want to start off with that. And then you kind of mentioned there, and I think it's a good preface, 
how wrestling shaped to where you are today, and I think that's kind of where it all starts for you back in your childhood, and it's been a big part of your life. So maybe let's start about growing up in Cleveland and um, your family, your siblings, what your early life was like from middle school to high school, and go from there. Sure. Um, so, so like I said, I grew up in Cleveland, uh, Cleveland area, actually, till I was about 10 years old, live in Columbia Station, um, which is just like a little, little tiny kind of a... Um, hillbilly town outside of uh strongsville which is like the bigger area up there where i eventually moved to but you know growing up there i had i had one older sister she's four years older than me um <clears throat> she was always super athletic she actually won a state title before i did in soccer and, and ended up uh being a um a scholarship athlete at bowling green playing soccer there um but growing up you know obviously wrestling was a huge part of my life uh from the time I was probably, I think I started wrestling when I was like five or five and a half years old. I wrestled, I played football, I played baseball, I played soccer, I swam at one point. So I did a lot of stuff, but wrestling was always the one that was always constant. Um, and I think, you know, when I got to high school, really I had planned to play baseball and wrestle. Um, but uh, after wrestling season, my freshman year, I cut a lot of weight. And after the season was over, I just said, you know, I kind of want to take a little break. And pack on a couple pounds and I did that so um but you know just wrestling growing up you know up in northeast Ohio it's obviously one of the greatest uh you know areas in the country um for wrestling and you know being around the Walsh Jesuit era the St. Ed's era up there um you know watching two of the best you know high school athletic programs and, and wrestling programs in the country it was it was pretty easy to see that I kind of wanted to be on that path, and I ended up going to Walsh Jesuit um, and you know competing there, and then I was on to Ohio State. So what year did you really start to develop and have high aspirations in wrestling? You really knew, like, hey, I'm pretty good at this, and I think I can make something happen. Uh, probably my uh, sophomore year in college when I won nationals was probably the first year I realized. <laughs> hey, man, you're – no, actually, to be honest, like, probably my, my, my actual freshman year, my, my redshirt freshman year. Not the year that I redshirted, but my actual freshman year I competed. I remember, you know, going out to, and, and honestly, I went to Hofstra, and one of the things, like, when I was getting recruited, you know, I was getting recruited my junior year, so I hadn't won a state title yet. I won the Ironman at that point, but, you know, I hadn't won a state title. So that was kind of like a big thing in Ohio. It's like, you know, you got to win. There's a lot of people that are winning titles, and, you know, I was around Dustin Slater, and he has already won three of them at that point. So I really wasn't super heavily recruited by, like, the Big Ten at that point. And so I just assumed, like, hey, you know, maybe the Big Ten isn't for me. And, you know, do I really want to try that hard? And, um, you know, it wasn't that I didn't want to try hard. It was just like, yeah, the Big Ten is really, really good. Um, so I ended up going to Hofstra, and, you know, which is a great school. And Tom Ryan was out there. Um, and, and really my senior year, though, is where I kind of started to see, like, hey, maybe I can compete with, with some of these guys. I mean, there was – I remember the, there was one kid, his name was Patrick Bond. He was from uh, from Graybridge, and he – which was in Virginia, and he was, <clears throat> you know, one of the best high school wrestlers, upper weight, and I ended up wrestling, and I beat him um, at the Beast of the East. And so I guess that kind of was like, oh. And it kind of opened up people's eyes, and, like, people started calling me at that point but i'd already signed i had already yeah, you know, so committed after you had committed yeah so i'd already committed and and really the one of the big things was my junior wrestled 152 pounds and then that summer i competed at fargo at 189 pounds <laughs> and, and i'm not a like you know you lifted really hard 189 pounds this was like you just wanted to eat as much as you could <laughs> 189 pounds so like i think that kind of threw people off and i remember penn state actually was recruiting me to wrestle like 157, and then I wrestled at 189 there, and I placed. I you know I think I took maybe fifth or sixth. I don't even remember, but I placed, um, and they didn't really call me after that. Like you know, and, went off the deep end. yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they thought. And what's funny is that's where Tom Ryan saw me. Well, Tom Ryan, his assistant saw me. They were recruiting Probably some hard kid. Hard to miss you. Okay. Yeah, no, exactly. They were. <laughs> listen, this is a great story. So they were recruiting. This kid named uh, Caputo from, I think, New York. He ended up going to Harvard. But they were recruiting him, and I wrestled him, and I beat him. And, like, the coach, the assistant coach, uh, called Tom and was like, hey, some fat kid just beat Caputo. And, he, and Tom's, <laughs> like, Tom's like, well, who's the fat kid then? And that's how he found out about me. So he never watched me wrestle, never saw me wrestle. 
Um, other than the uh, fact that I that I was the fat kid that beat, you know, his guy that he was looking at, and uh, and then I signed that summer. So in between signing, and they were like, "What made you decide on Hofstra? Was it, you know, was it Tom? Was it just the the school itself, or anything like um, that?" It was a little bit of a combination of everything. So, you know, I went on a couple of recruiting trips. I went to North Carolina, um, and I loved it. It, it, it. School's awesome. You know, the the wrestling program there at that time um, was decent. You know, it's a pretty good program. Obviously, it's not you know Ohio State or a Big Ten school or anything like that, but it's still a great program. Love the school, you know, love the area. Um, so it was really came down between them and then Hofstra. And when I was at Hofstra, you know, Donnie Pritzloff was one of the assistant coaches there who, um, you know, my high school coach really liked. And my dad really liked Tom. So really, it was like, hey, you know, I think this is the best spot for you. The school is a smaller school. Um, so as far as academics wise, I wasn't the greatest student in high school. Um, and I think it was, it was a good fit at that, at that, at, in, in those areas. And then kind of after my freshman year, I, I was really struggling through my freshman year. Like, you know, I don't know if I really like this area, you know, you're in Long Island, New York, you're 35 miles outside of the city, you know, that area isn't the area for everybody. Um, and, and those people sometimes don't want to come to Ohio either cause it's not the right area. So, um, I, you know, I, I think it was really the area that I kind of didn't like, but ultimately what got me there was my assistant coach and or one of my coaches in high school and my dad was like, hey, I think this is the best place for you. And it really was, you know, having Tom there as the head coach and then having, you know, Donnie Pritzloff, who is, is really one of the best coaches uh, as far as training with I've ever been around. You know, I competed with him every single day. So Where did he go on? Wisconsin? Is that yeah, so he, he went to Wisconsin. I think he was a two-time national champ there at Wisconsin. Yeah. Then when he's from New Jersey, so he went back there, um, you know, and that's why he was at Hofstra. Mm -hmm. And then after Tom left, actually, I think Donnie might have got offered the job before Tom left um, <clears throat> to go back to Wisconsin. And he was going to be the assistant coach there, the head assistant coach there. And ultimately, his goal was to be the head coach there. Um, <clears throat> and really, you know, when I decided to leave, it was really between Ohio State and Wisconsin. Once Tom got the job at Ohio State, you know, I wasn't not going to Ohio State. Yeah. <clears throat> so did you pretty much have in your mind you wanted to follow Tom no matter No, 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 no. no. Listen, everyone has that wrong. I try to tell everybody, Tom followed me to Ohio State. Like, <laughs> that is 100%. You can even ask him. Ask him, ask his wife. They followed me. Really, me and Lynette had it in a plan to, to get Ohio State. So when I was at the National championship my freshman year that that year i redshirted i went out and watched it and first time i'd ever been in the national tournament and, and ohio state really didn't do well i think they ended up finishing like 45th in the country or something like that yeah so, that's the place so, i gotta get yeah, there <laughs> yeah and it's like and it you know and it's just like man ohio was so good at wrestling you know but they you know they had you know jay was sitting out um jd i think sat out that year so they we, we knew that there were some some good athletes that were that were there that ready to compete and I just remember thinking like man you know like that'd be awesome to be there and you know and then Lynette even said something like hey you know what happens if they let you know if, if Russ retires after this year or you know time to move on and and Tom gets a job at Ohio State and I was like listen that would be awesome let's see what we can do so so lo and behold you know three weeks later you know Russ is done at Ohio State um, didn't even think anything of it, you know, because it was one of those things I was like, there's no way. This would be too good to be true. There's no way this would happen. Um, and started kind of unfolding, and, you know, um, some names were getting thrown out there, and Tom's name was one of them, and I was like, no, nah, there's no way. There's no way, you know. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. These type of things don't happen in sports, you know. <laughs> we get we get built up, and then we get broken down, so – um, and you know, you end up getting the job and it was, you know, it was just really like, all right, this is what's happening. And so what I'm hearing from all of this is that Mike Basilla was responsible for the NCAA championship. Well, I wouldn't say that. I would say that I'm responsible for Tom Ryan being at Ohio State for sure. Cause I, I even remember too, cause like I knew Jay and I knew all those guys. And, um, like when it was going on, there was like a panel of, of Ohio State wrestlers that were on the panel to help decide the next coach was. And I remember Facebook messaging Jay, like, hey, Jay, like, you know, give me some inside scoop. What's going on? Like, you know, does Tom have a, have a, you know, shot at this? And, you know, just 
I'll come, I'm, I'm coming there if Tom gets a job. Like, you know, it wasn't like they really had that big of a decision, but they just wanted, you know, a couple of athletes to be on the board. So they, they knew what was going on. And, um, you know, I know that Tommy Rollins was one of the top candidates, uh, Tom. And then I believe it was, uh, Terry Brands was the other that came down to the final three. Um, and I, you know, obviously those are three great choices. So you can't really miss on any of them, but, uh, you know, it was, like, like I said, it's just one of those things, like, I didn't think it could happen, mm-hmm. you know, but it just, it worked out right. Yeah, I never knew Terry was involved. I heard about Tommy, but, and then for those of you listening who don't know, Jay is also from the Cleveland area, so you guys probably had a relationship growing up where you kind of Oh, yeah, we him. hated each other. Really? <laughs> Despised each other. Well, I don't know if he hated me as much as I hated him, because I never beat him. Like, I wrestled him probably maybe 15 times growing up, and he beat me every single time. I never beat him once. And the last time I wrestled him, I wrestled him two times in high school, uh, my freshman year, and he beat me both times. So Yeah, but then you got up to 189, and it's like, all right, let's wrestle again now. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> so Tom comes to Ohio State. You come to Ohio State, then Tom comes yeah. to Ohio State. And then talk about that process. You get back. You're finally back in Ohio. Was that kind of a better transition for you? Do you feel better anyway athletically and like you're in a better place to you know I, I i finally i guess that was kind of the point like you said that i started really thinking like hey you know you know maybe you are good enough to compete at this level and really that didn't start happening until i really actually started competing like actual real matches but um you know obviously being at ohio state you have all the resources in the world you know i'm two hours from home you know, and you can make that as far as way as possible. I mean, I could go home every weekend or, you know, I never have to go home. But just the fact that it was I was that close, you know, my dad and mom could come down for every match. I think it just was it was a great fit. And um, <clears throat> I, I was definitely in a much more comfortable place. You know, I knew a lot more people here, um, you know, just is just one of those things where it's like to be successful, you, you got to be happy at some point, too. And I think. I was finally, you know, not not that I was miserable at Hofstra, but it just wasn't a good fit for me. Um, and I think Ohio State was a great fit for me. Did they get the opportunity to watch you? Did they come down to all your duels and everything? Yeah, I don't think my dad ever missed a match. Um, maybe one or two times when we were out in Vegas, he didn't go. Um, but other than that, I think he was pretty much, you know, at every single match that we had. Right. And, you, you know, you finish your college career as a three-time All-American and two-time NCAA finalist champion once. Um, what was this journey like? And what were some, you know, some of the biggest wins, biggest losses, and, you know, just kind of the journey through yeah. wrestling? Um, I mean, like I said, like when I, when I came in, you know, I wasn't like, hey, you know, this is, you know, you're the best guy in the world or anything like that. It wasn't like that. I just started wrestling. I started, I was successful and you know, I think my first ever college match was against like the third or fourth ranked guy in the country, and I won. And I think that was like, I remember like saying something to Tom after, like, oh, like, man, I just beat like the fourth ranked guy. You guys are going to want me to do that every time, right? And they're like, or I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. And he's like, yeah, you better do that every time. And I was like, <laughs> well, man, I mean, that was a big win, you know, like, you right. know, come on. Like, <laughs> you're, um, gonna, you're, gonna, you're not going to, like, hey, that yeah, was cool, man. Like, yeah, like, you know, and for them, it was just like, this is what you you know you should be doing, and I was just like, for me, it was like, wow. And then you know, I thought maybe it was just a fluke, right? So I just beat this guy by accident one time and wrestled uh, at the the Vegas tournament like two weeks later um, and beat the third ranked guy and then beat that guy again and um, and then I think at that point I was ranked third in the country, so it was like, oh well, maybe you are good enough. Um, and I think that was the point where. I was like, okay, you know, you can compete on this level. You might not beat every single person, but um, you can compete. So I think like those, that, the combination of those three matches starting off my college career was huge. You know, if I would have went out and you know got thumped those couple matches, who knows where my head would have been and you know where it would have led me ultimately. But you know, just the fact that I got those big wins under my belt early, it's like okay, it gave me the confidence that you know you can compete. Um, you know, and then I ended up, you know, my first college loss was against Jake Herbert, um, at St. Ed's, you know, so we had a match at St. Ed's, which is, you know, 25 minutes from my house. And, you know, so all my family's there, my first ever college match that I lost. And, you know, I got beat up pretty bad. I remember, you know, that. And what were Jake's accolades at this point? He was, he had already, right? uh, so, so Jake was. 
he was a junior, right? So he was a junior, then he sat out a year, and then he was a senior. And it went now, twice, or so he won it. Yeah, he won it twice. So he won it that year, and then my junior year. Yeah, so that makes sense. So I won my sophomore, then I lost to him my junior year in mm-hmm. the finals. So he set out my sophomore year, um, <clears throat> but. Uh, I just remember that match, and he hit some move on me, and I just heard the whole crowd go like, ooh. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that probably wasn't good. So that was probably one of the biggest losses, just because it was kind of like, kind of like a, a wake-up call again, like, okay, hey, you know, maybe you're not that good, so get back on it. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, that year, I, I ended up finishing sixth in the country, um, <clears throat> you know, and that wasn't where I wanted to be by any means, so that kind of fueled me for my next year, and had a pretty good season the next year what about relationship wise in terms of like your teammates and your best friends going through it i'm assuming um, your relationship with jay probably changed a little bit once you got to ohio state yeah so my relationship with jay actually changed a little bit when uh we competed on the same team at fargo to that point like he had already he had already graduated and he was competing the next year so i was going into my senior year and uh i mean literally up until that point like you know like I'm talking like from six six years old, we competed and like our dads would be fighting in the corners, you know, and uh, and and you know I didn't know I guess I was supposed to hate him, you know, and then I go out, go on this trip to Fargo with him and you know kind of met him and said like, okay he's not that bad of a guy, you know, and then obviously he's my teammate and uh, you know I think I think we had a really good close group of guys I mean with you know Lance Palmer who I grew up with, um, I was actually in his kindergarten class. Um, in Columbia Station, and uh, you know, growing up with him, and he was competing with me, and so he was on my college team. And we had Reese Humphrey, who's you know still one of my best friends. You had Jay Jaggers. Um, you know, we had a really good group of guys that I think really helped uh, mold that team into into being successful as we were. Yeah, and so you know, you finish up college. Uh, where'd you go from there? Just getting done, you graduate. What yeah. was your first job out of college? Where'd you go? So, so as soon as I graduated, um, it was it was the year I think uh, uh, Joe Heskett took a position um, at Army, mm-hmm. so he got the head coaching job there. So there was another role, another spot that opened up at Ohio State. So um, it was Tom, it was Lou, it was Jay and Heskett, and then when Heskett left, I took the the volunteer assistant position. So. I coached at Ohio State for a year. You know, after that year, I just kind of decided that, you know, it was kind of time for me to kind of get out of the sport of wrestling for a little bit and kind of try to get into the business world. Um, a family friend of mine who had came to me before I even started coaching uh, owns a few car dealerships up in the Akron area um, and uh, wanted me to come and work there. So I started selling cars, moved into a management role there. Um, and did that for about two years. Well, yeah, about two years. And I don't know what happened. What There was this kind of this itch that, you know, and I, to be honest, I was always a guy that said, as soon as I'm done wrestling, I'm done wrestling, you know. Um, but just something kind of sparked. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to compete again um, and just kind of see where it goes. And so I quit there, um, moved back down to Columbus and started competing again. And um, really... You know, I, I didn't really get that far into it, and I had some injuries that kind of came back that I thought might come back, and I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't. Um, and, you know, when I went and saw a couple more doctors, they kind of gave me a couple options and didn't want to get any holes drilled in my neck at the time. So, you know, if maybe if I was in a you know $18 million contract like Peyton Manning, I might have got it done. It was actually mm-hmm. the same thing that he had done. Mm-hmm. It was what needed to be done. Um, but ultimately, you know, wrestling was, was kind of the, the problem that was causing it. And so they said, you could either do that or, you know, um, you can kind of hang it up. So at that point, you know, I was just like, Hey, all right, I'm cool. Don't need any holes in my neck. Um, <laughs> let's go start working. So that's when I started working for the, the job I'm at now. And so after you finally made that decision, you kind of burnt that bridge and said that wrestling was done for you. Was there any type of identity crisis that you went through or any struggle to overcome and kind of move on to something new or was it a pretty easy transition for you? I think um, for me personally, I had kind of like this inner hatred for wrestling, to be honest, that I, I wanted to get out of it. So um, I, I, I didn't really ever have that, like, oh man, I got to get back into wrestling. I got to get back. And I still don't have it, to be honest. 
you know, I think maybe someday, you know, down the road, I would love to get back into it, but I don't have any, you know, oh man, I just miss it so much. You know, it's just, it just, I don't know. I think, uh, especially at that time, you know, I was just like, listen, you know, it, it, you got a couple options here, what route you want to go with the rest of your life. And, you know, is wrestling going to be part of it forever? Um, and I didn't think that was it. And I think, um, you know, part of that might have been um, just the fact that I was in it for so long. I mean, I did it from five years old to, you know, 23, and it was all I did. So, you know, I, I was I was getting ready to, I was, I was happy to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, we mentioned it before to the crowd, but, uh, you know, you're the first openly gay NCAA champion wrestler. And, but the whole time that you were in wrestling, you, you weren't open about it. Yeah. And so can you take us through the process when you, you know, you realize, hey, I need to open up about this. This is really bugging me. And who'd you open up to and how'd that process, how was that process? Well, it's almost like the next monumental, so like you leave wrestling, it's the next monumental stage of your life. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, and I think the whole reason that we're doing this interview is so it doesn't have to be a monumental step in anybody's yeah. life anymore, you know. Um, so what we almost like are starting back from the beginning now. It's like, now that that's out there, what was it like having to hold that in the entire time and, and live in a sport that's probably the hardest sport to be gay in? I mean, I can't. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was thinking about it on the way over here, like how, you know, how to how to talk about it because it's not it's not easy. Yeah. Um, because you know, like I said, you know, w- when I made the decision that, all right, you know, hey, let's get out. Of, you know, is it time to, time to get out of wrestling? You know, I didn't really even know if I ever was going to tell anybody. Um, you know, and, and you know, while I was wrestling, I thought there's no way. No way. I mean, I knew, you know, I've known forever. Um, you know, I always thought, no, you know, you know, you don't need to tell anyone. No one will ever have to know. So, but as a coach, I, I, I thought, well, shit, you know, what happens if people do find out, you know, how would that go over, you know, going over some kid's house to recruit a kid and, you know, in the sport of wrestling and you're around it, like, you know, how would the parents feel about it? You know, you know, how would the kids feel about it? How would the other schools you know, use that, you know, would they use it against it? You know, like, you really want to go there? They got a gay coach, you know, like, like, you know, and who knows, like, you know, a lot of things run through your head, you know, when you're constantly just, you know, playing it over and over in your head. And um, so I really think that kind of, you know, maybe it wasn't the ultimate factor of why I got out of it. Um, but I kind of knew like, hey, man, you know, I don't know if this is going to be the best bet. If you, if you do want to coach, you know, are you going to be able to live your life the way you want to? And, um, was that part of the hatred that you spoke about? Or just yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and like you said, you know, wrestling is probably... Because I know a lot... Well, I, I hated part of wrestling, too. I think everybody does, yeah. but I didn't know if that was the... Yeah, so, like, like when I said that, I, I meant, like, you know, there's... You know, wrestling is a... You know, obviously, it's a very grueling, tough sport, real manly sport, and, you know, you're in the locker room, and, you know, there's... Hey, don't be a fag. Don't, you know, that's gay. Like, you know, gets tossed around all the time. But, you know, and, and you know, if you... To me, it's one of those things where it's just the way you say it, you know, then it goes to the next level of, you know, you got your best friends, the people you're around all the time saying, you know, uh, you know, if I ever have a gay kid, I'll kick him out of the house or, and these are your best friends saying these things. So it's like, and you know, they're, they're 21, 22, you know, 19, 18 years old. So, you know, they're kids still too. And, you know, people say stuff, but when that's all that's getting said and the only type of conversations you ever have about it are negative it starts to really, you know, play into your head of like, well, maybe this is how they feel, you know? And, um, you know, it's, I know it's all joking around most of the time, but there's times where it wasn't joking around and, you know, and I think in wrestling, you just, it's such a manly sport that you have two guys on a mat in a singlet that, that people look at it sometimes and say, oh, that's kind of gay. The fact that, you know, there's two dudes on the mat sweating, rolling around. So they like kind of overcompensate for it on the other end. Like, no, you, you know, what, you know, you know how I mean. So it's just like, right. so it's, it's such like a, like a, a, a constant battle and the type of, you know, a lot of type of people that are, that are in the sport, you know, they just, it, it's not even in their thought process that that could be the way someone would live their life. So right. that's kind of what led to like the, the, the inter hatred that I had for the sport. And, and it's not the sports fault. It's not, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Um, but ultimately, you know, leading to the relationships and friends that I made there, 
Um, I don't think there's been a single person that I've known that I was friends with and I was close with that has ever said anything negative towards me since. And that's one of the things that I was probably most afraid of, you know. You have, um, you know, your coaches, you have your friends, your teammates that say things and you think they're going to react a certain way. And then when you do come out and you do tell people, you know, they don't react the way you thought. And it's kind of shocking, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going on to the first person I told, you know, I had told a couple people like, outs, you know, like really good friends growing up. And they kind of, I mean, literally maybe one or two of them. Um, but when I really, really opened up to anybody was Reese Humphrey, who, you know, was still, like I said, one of my best friends and uh, collegiate teammates. And- yeah, collegiate teammates, same age as me. And uh, actually, when I moved back down into Columbus, I, I kind of lived with them for about two to three weeks before I got into my place. And, you know, very good friends. I was in his wedding, very good friends with his wife, very good, you know, love his kids. And they actually just moved out to California. But um, I remember I, for the longest time, I was like, I just got to tell him, I just got to tell him, I just got to tell him, I just got to tell him. And I couldn't do it. I just, I could not do it. Couldn't get the words out. Um, and one night it was like, uh, I don't know, maybe a Friday night or something like that. He was like, Hey man, um, just kind of out of the blue, like, Hey, let's go hang out. Just me and him, we went and hung out and, uh, we went to the casino <laughs> and like we were at the bar just like having a drink and, and. I don't even rem- really remember exactly what's going on, but the whole time I was thinking, all right, Mike, you just got to tell him, got to tell him, got to tell him. And I couldn't do it. And I remember at one point, I just like put my head down on the bar and didn't think anything of it. And then, then finally, we left that night. I went back home. The next morning, I woke up and I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to tell him. And I just sent him like this big, long text message. I was like, listen, man, I'd love to tell you in person, but I really don't know how you're going to react. So, you know here's here it is i was like i'm going on a bike ride right now i'm not gonna have my phone on me so don't try to call me um you know again you know it's one of the things where i maybe i played it up way bigger than it really was in my head but you know i thought you know i'd probably never talk to him ever again um and you know he texted me back i actually got back from the bike ride and there was no message on my phone i was like well i knew it he hates me he's never gonna talk to me again Um, but typical Reese, he didn't have his phone on him and, you know, he was taking a nap or something like that and didn't read it. Um, and then he ended up texting me back like, you know, you know, holy shit, you know, man, I can't believe it. And, you know, like, listen, I'm totally cool with it. Like, I don't care at all. Like, you know, I just, I can't believe you had never told anybody before. I had no idea. Um, and really, you know, that was kind of the starting point where I was like, all right, you know, I didn't, you know, my parents didn't know at the time, you know, nobody really that close really knew. Um, so I think that kind of opened it up to where it was like, okay, to tell him and he accepted it and he was fine with it and totally cool with it. Um, and then I told, you know, P. Capone, who was my roommate, well, my roommate at the time then, and then uh, he actually said he already knew and big long story and, you know, we don't need to get into that, but, um, so a couple other people actually already knew at the time that I didn't even know knew. Um, and that was really, that was really it. And from there on on, I was like, all right, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, 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 did, I guess I decided to do the story. Um, they, you know, a couple of people approached me about it who, who I had actually talked to a while back, you know, Hudson Taylor, who runs Athlete Ally, um, does a phenomenal job with that. Actually, I talked to him years before that and kind of let them know what, what was up. And I said, listen, at some point, I'd love to help you guys out any way I can. Um, and he approached me a little bit after that, after I talked to Reese and a couple other people knew um, and said, you know, listen, I think it would be uh, great for the sport. I think it's great for all athletes. And, you know, more importantly, you know, to help the next generation to know that, hey, it's okay. Because, you know, there's a, you're, for, there, there's a time period where it's like a very lonely, you know, island you feel like you're on um and that's what i wanted to convey that you know it's okay you're not the only one on that island mm-hmm. yeah and you know i think that throughout this story you're talking about you know the struggle with wrestling and how it's so as a manly sport and and how people are constantly saying small things like that and and i think that you don't really realize 
But what I, you're yeah, saying, I don't think you know anybody I mean? really like. You know, I mean, right. you we're all guilty it. of it. Right. Sure, I was guilty of right. it. Right. I, I, mean, I would try guilty. to fit in and you know say something like that. I mean, there were I, I, there were lines I wouldn't cross, but mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. right. I mean, everyone would say. Right. That. And I think that I think that what changes it for people is when someone in your life is struggling with it. You yeah, know? and we talked about that last night with right. Alex Gordon, who's one of all our friends. And I said, you know, it's kind of like, and it, it was even hard for me to get to myself. I said, I never would have. Never in my life would have ever said like anything bad about anybody who's gay, and never would I have gone out of my way though to stand up for him. And not that I didn't think that it was not the right thing to do, I would have just been like, you know, I'm neutral. You know, it's not yeah. not my place to do right. it. But then I said, you know, when you find someone that you like actually care about, and you're like, oh, you know, that and it makes you think like, okay, you know, what it really makes you think about the whole situation and put it into context and it brings it into real life and I think that's what changes people's things. So I think a lot of people just be more conscious about what they're saying in terms of Right. And I think that's part of the reason, you know, we're here today and having you on the show is we want to make sure that people think about these things. Mm -hmm. But for you, Mikey, you know knowing that, you know, how people reacted to it, um, was there anyone who reacted negatively? So there was like you don't have to name names. No, 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 there wasn't like um and the thing here's the thing it's like that you know no one personally came up to me or or mm-hmm. said anything to me i read you know some of the message boards that the wrestling you know world has out there and i knew that those would be you know probably filled with a bunch of you know and i hate to say it you know a bunch of you know typical wrestlers that that don't know me you know and and that was the thing at the time when the story came out like all my closest friends and everyone that i knew knew you know, everyone that I really cared about knew. No one, you know, no. everyone was fine with it, you know. So to me, that's like, all right, hey, listen, everyone that I care about is fine with it. So if someone that I don't know or, or doesn't know me has a problem with it, that's not my problem. You know, that's their problem. They can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want. They don't know me. That You know, to be honest, I probably wouldn't be friends with them anyways if they had an issue with it. Um, so, you know, no one really came up to me personally. The worst, the worst thing I ever got was on Facebook, uh, a, a kid from my high school who's a little bit older than me, you know, and this is, it's not even that bad. I mean, just the, the worst thing he said was, um, Hey, listen, man, I'm, I'm proud of what you did. You know, I, re- I respect, you know, how, you know, how much guts it took for you to do it. He goes, I don't agree with it, but I respect it. And I was like, all right, you know, I, it is what it is, you know. You know, you don't agree with it, you don't agree with it. I don't understand that part of it, right. but again, if that's the worst thing that I got, you know, it, it was fine. But, you know, just, you know, that being said, you know, hundreds of people messaged me, you know, saying stuff like, uh, you know, listen, just hearing this story helped me. Um, you know, some people said, you know, I have, I have a, a gay son who was, he was struggling with it. He's an athlete, you know, and, you know, you know, I haven't really talked to him about it, but I know that he read the story and, you know, it made a difference to him. So the fact that it changed one person's life, I had I had another person that I knew growing up who um, messaged me and said, listen, you know, I was probably one of the biggest homophobes until I heard this story. Um, and, and knowing you as a person um, literally changed my mind completely. Like I can't even think of it the same way, knowing that, that, that you're gay too. Um, so, so just hearing those stories, you know, I don't care how many people were mad or didn't like it or you know, whatever, you know, they can say what they want, but the fact that I can change somebody else's life, you know, outweighs any of the negative I possibly could have gotten. Yeah. And then hearing it from somebody who's at the pinnacle of a sport or in any sport in general, I mean, probably has huge influences on people, not only in the sport, but in other sports as well. Sure. And, and that was the thing. You know, I heard stories of, um, you know, one of the big ones that really made a big impact on my life was, uh, you know, a story about Billy Bean, who was a, a baseball player, um, you know, struggled, you know, while he played, you know, after he played uh, for, for a while. Um, you know, I read I read his book, actually, probably one of the only books I've ever read cover to cover. Um you know, and it just, you know, there were so many parts of that book that just like resonated with me that I was like, oh, you know, I, I know what he's going through. I know exactly how he feels like this is miserable. I don't want to live my life like that, you know. And, uh, you know, there's a story of uh, Robbie Rogers, who was a soccer player um, who came out. Um, it was actually one of the first openly gay soccer player, really the first openly gay professional athlete 
Um, he retired, actually came back and was was playing overseas, came back and was playing for the L.A. Galaxy. Um, you know, and then you hear the story of Jason Collins. You hear the story of, um, you know, Michael Sam. You know, so hearing those stories, you know, obviously impacted my life. So, you know, and I'm not, you know, a professional athlete and, you know, make that kind of money or anything like that. But, you know, just being an athlete, I know that it can help, you know, even if it helps one person, I'm happy with that, you know, and I think it did. And, you know, hopefully it can continue to help those, the next generation to do what I did. And, and like you said, you know, ultimately the reason why we're here is so it doesn't have to be a monumental thing. Like, you know, people always said like, you know, why do you got to come out? You know, you know, no, again, no one said this to me, but you know, I've heard it before. Like, why do people have to make an announcement about coming out? Listen, I don't want to make an announcement that I'm coming out. Like, I don't want to have to do that, you know, but when you're trying to hook me up with your daughter all the time or trying to hook me up with your, you know, your, your granddaughter or something like that, like, you know, I don't want that either. Like, you know, stop you know that you know that the, i guess the one thing about doing it this way was you know everybody knows now and they can stop doing that and stop asking me about um you know when you get married or you know blah, blah blah it's like you know hey you know if you don't want me to blast it out on on you know in front of you you know why are you asking me those questions what happens if you don't like what i have to say to you yeah, and then you know. it doesn't have to be an awkward conversation every time you run into somebody that you previously had a relationship with or things like sure. that, you know, which what it shouldn't be. But I think two parts that we skipped over that I'm interested in hearing about is the process of telling your parents and then the process of telling another person that was really close in your life was Tom. And I heard you on a previous interview talk a little bit about that, but I'll kind of... Sure. Um, I guess to my, to my parents, again, maybe I'm just like not tough enough, but I literally could not tell my parents. I couldn't, I couldn't like say the words... Um, coming from a guy who Tom Ryan called Iron Mike, and yeah, yeah. what you what you have a, a you cut your hand with a box cutter when you made it to the NCAA finals? Yeah, still, you won that year, didn't you? I took second that year. Took second. Oh, yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Josh, yeah. Josh is an idiot now, but yeah. but still, I mean, to, one of the, just one of my the point there. My I point know. there is a serious point though that obviously extremely tough individual and if it's that hard for imagine how hard it is for anybody else in the world to kind of go through this process but i didn't mean to interrupt yeah. your story and it's it's you know honestly at this point it's not about tough it's just about getting it out i mean you know so so to my mom what i did is is i i uh went home for was actually my uh nephew's first birthday party i believe and i had that book of billy bean and i put it in her car and i said hey mom you know, I put something in your car. I want you to read it, you know, the whole thing. Because, honestly, it's a, it's a great book. Um, and, and a, like I said, a lot of this stuff resonated with me quite a bit. And I said, Mom, I want you to read it. And she read it, and she, you know, I talked to her a little bit after, and she's like, you know, Mike, I I, I, um, I didn't know. But, there, you know, there were times where people would ask me a question, like, how's Mike doing? Does he have a girlfriend? And I'd always say no because he never had a girlfriend. And, uh, you know, so I'd think about it for a second, and then I'd think, no. I've seen gay people on TV. He's not gay, you know? So I think with her, it was just like, that's what she saw. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people see that, you know, you may walk down the street and see, you know, a hundred people and you might, you know, look at someone and think he's gay. And there was probably, you know, five or six other people that walked past you that were gay too, that you didn't notice. So you always think that's what a gay person looks like and nothing wrong with it. Hey, you know, everyone's got their own thing. Whoever you are, you are, you know. So I think a lot of people don't have that uh, concept that, you know, you can I can play a sport. I can do everything, you know, anybody else can do. So um, so my mom, she got it. And I didn't tell my dad at the time yet either. Just, you know, my dad was probably the, the toughest one to tell because, like I said, you know, you hear all the things, um, you know, that, that people say. And, you know, my dad was probably guilty of the most of them. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, he's come a long way since then. Um, but you know, still that being said, you know, you hear a lot of things that he said from the time, I, time I was probably seven, eight years old. I remember things he said, you know, until, you know, three months before I told him, you know, so with him, I, I, I kind of had to do it again. And it was just one of those things where it, it really wasn't that, uh, I had to tell him. It was just something I, that I felt like, you know what? You know, he deserves to know, you know, so again, same thing, you know, I don't need, you know, him asking me questions all the time. And, you know, and he was, he never really got on me about, you know, you have a girlfriend or anything like that. So same thing with him. I, I sent him a text message and I was like, dad. And, and I think the reason why I wanted to send a text message was I could get out an entire message without just saying the first thing and then him reacting. Um, so I wanted him to read the whole thing and, and really kind of understand where I was coming from. 
And then, you know, if you want to have a conversation about it, let's have a conversation about it. But, you know, I want him to understand where I was coming from first. And I did that, and he just responded back with, you know, I love you. Like, you know, you in capital letters. So it was just like, all right, cool. You know, and that's all I needed. You know, we didn't have to have, a you know, a 30-minute conversation about it and, or anything like that. And, um, you know, that was pretty cool um, for him. And like I said, it was... It was probably the, the, the most difficult one. And again, like I said, you know, growing up, you know, from probably the time I was 10 years old that I, that I can remember, um, you know, thinking about like, how would I ever tell my dad? How would I tell my mom? How would I, you know, tell all these people? You, you start playing out how they're going to react. And I don't think I ever once played it out in, in, in a sense where they reacted the way they did. You know, always played out, reacted, you know, get out of the house, you know, never want to see you again, you know, that type of stuff. Um, so, you know, for it to be the reaction that I got is, is amazing. And, uh, you know, going over to Tom, you know, Tom was another one. There were a few people I was really, really worried about telling. Um, not so much um, that they would, I don't know. I don't know why I thought it would be difficult, but, you know, I just thought it would be. Again, same thing. You hear stories like, you know, we had, um, there, was a, there was a story of a kid, uh, who was about my age, wrestled at, at Arizona State, um, uh, Ben Ashmore, um, who was openly gay at the time. Um, not like openly like, you know, came out, but people knew. Um, and he's, uh, I actually reached out to him long before I told anybody else and, you know, was talking to him and just said, hey, listen, man, you know, I don't know how you did it and how people know and how you're still competing. You know, I admire you for that. And, uh, but, you know, you hear, so, so now I was in a sense where I heard other people talking about it. And I think this is what really kind of dug me into a deeper hole was, you know, hearing that and then, you know, and, and not Tom, but other, you know, people saying, you know, if I had a gay kid on my team, I would do whatever I could to make him quit. And, you know, you hear that and you're like, really, I just won a national title. Are you going to make me quit? Probably not, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and stuff like that. So, so again, it was just kind of those things. And, you know, again, that wasn't Tom that said that, you know, but, uh, you know, still other things that, you know, you hear. And and then Tom, for those people listening who don't know, is really strong in his faith. And so, like, I mean, if I was going to him with something like that, I guess I would worry just as much because I'd be like, well, you know, I mean, he doesn't follow the Bible. Like, what is what is he going to say yeah. about that? Is he going to disown me kind of thing? Sure. And then on top of that, I think people who play sports will understand the connection there, but I think to really understand those who, who haven't or who those who don't understand your relationship with Tom, like, relationship with a coach you want NCAA title under is, you know, got to be close to, like, a father figure, especially the way that Tom treats people and the type of person that he is. Yeah. I mean, that's a deep relationship. Yeah, and, and, and me and Tom had a very, very close relationship. I mean, from my time at Hofstra, you know, to us, you know, coming back here to Ohio State, and, you know, I joke around about, you know, him following me, but, you know, uh, ultimately, you know, he got the job here. Um, he did whatever he could to, you know, help me get to the school, get to Ohio State, you know, give me, you know, as little scholarship as we possibly could at the at the time because, you know, when I came in here, there just wasn't that many, you know, scholarships available. So, you know, me and Tom, you know, and we still do. We have a, a great relationship, um, you know, but, again, it was almost like, you know, another father. It's like, I got to tell another dad, you know, how do you do that? And, um, you know, it wasn't super easy to tell him and to be honest i never actually went to him and told him um he found out through other people um and i knew that he knew and he knew that i knew that he knew um and when the article was coming <laughs> when the article was coming out um i reached out to him and just said hey tom you know these you know these jason brian who's, who's the guy's gonna write it he wants to talk to you are you okay doing that and he said yeah i'd do anything for you so um, I think, you know, just the fact that he, he went on there and the things that he said were, you know, obviously awesome. Um, and, and knowing that he knows and knowing that he doesn't hate me, you know, is, is something that, uh, again, you play it out in your head and you think it's going to react a certain way and it doesn't, um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and I think that when you, when you look at the way that some faiths treat you know, the gay people in any sort of, you know, any sort of, like, LGBT, like, they look at it very differently from the way that actually the Bible teaches. Sure. You yeah. know, which is, you know, love each other, like, yeah. like, I love you, regardless of what they do. 
you know, and but that's another story. That's a whole other yeah. We can big we philosophical can, we can thing that we can that get that into forever, for yeah. Mike on a biblical I mean, there's, back yeah, there's, over here. Yeah, there's there's, <laughs> but, a, there's a lot of things in the Bible that say right. you shouldn't do that, you right? Know, but they're you know fine with that, and then this for some reason isn't. And again, mm-hmm. it, it goes back to you know honestly, it goes back to you know people not understanding it. You know, if you if you if you really you know believe that. Um, you know, God creates everyone in their image, and God created me this way. You know, God put me on this earth this way. This is who I am. Then, you know, who are you to say that he made a mistake? Which you can't say that because he doesn't make mistakes. You can't say that. So then, you know, you're the only thing you can say is the fact that it's my choice. And, and ultimately, it's not. I mean, you know, I said this before. It's like, listen, I love my life. I love where I'm at now. I love my friends, you know, and I've met a lot of great people um, because of the fact that I'm gay. And, and uh, you know, would I choose this life? No, absolutely not. I mean, why would anyone choose to be different? I mean, most people don't choose to be different. I mean, there's no, nothing wrong with being different. And I aspire to be a different person. I don't want to be a clone of somebody else. But, you know, why would someone choose this life? I, I don't know why someone would choose it. Um, but that being said, would I change my life? Absolutely not. You know, I, I love my life. I love where I'm at. Love my family, love my friends, love the people that are around me. Um, but ultimately if I got to, you know, pick off the bat, you know, I wouldn't choose this way. And that's another thing that we talked about with Alex last night too. And I said, I've heard a million times that somebody say, you know, there's born that way. And in my head, I always, I never really had any stance on it. I just said, I'd never really as, you know, I took it for what it was. And then when you said it to me the other day when we had when we got drinks and I sat there and I was like, man, it really hit me and I finally believed it for the first time. And I think that, like I said, like we said earlier too, it takes someone that you actually care about and have and like you're like, man, you know, this person is actually someone I respect. Otherwise, you just block it off and you assume because everybody's assumed for the last however many years that it's been a topic that you can't be born that way. It can't happen. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's an interesting concept. And, but, you know, that, that, that lends towards the idea of diversity and how being exposed to different ideas and things is, is a good for people and the society in general. Sure. You know, you need to be exposed to more things to better understand them. But um, so, Columbus itself has a pretty large... LGBT community. I think it's like second largest in the country. Yeah. Right. It's uh, and it's a great community. Yeah. And has that, has that made it any easier for you? Yeah, I would forward? say um, for sure. I mean, again, like I said, you know, that really that community is really what got me to the point of where I was able to tell my friends. You know, I met a couple of people and actually had friends. I wasn't on that lonely island anymore. You know, I finally, you know, and being in wrestling, like you're not around it. You're just not around it. So. You know, even telling Reese, you know, going back to that was like, he was just never exposed to it. He had no idea. Like, you didn't even think of that. Like, you didn't think of anybody on your team to be, there's no way. You know, this is wrestling. It's you to get too tough, you know, but it's like, it doesn't matter. But, you know, being, you know, finally meeting some other people and, and um, you know, like I said, they're still great friends of mine that I met, you know, one night. And, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, that what that's what led me to, be able to be open to where maybe it was the, the the risk I had was if I lose all my friends that are straight because I'm gay, like I'm going to lose them all, you know, then I'm really going to be lost, you know, so I don't want to lose that, you know, so I finally had, you know, a group of friends that, you know, were also gay and, uh, you know, great people and, and realized like, hey, listen, you know, I'm not lonely anymore. I'm not the only gay person on the planet. Um, you know, that kind of helped me. I introduced them to some of my friends and went out and had a great night, you know, had a good time. And, uh, you know, so it was kind of cool to see that the, the two groups, you know, kind of coming together. And, you know, from there on out, you know, it's it's been awesome. And, and being in Columbus, you know, obviously it's, uh, you know, a great town to be in and, you know, a huge, huge gay community. And uh, they, they support it. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. How much of it has been a process? Because I imagine when I'm thinking about it in my head, like it had to be tough to slowly work yourself back into the wrestling community and feel like you don't have to worry about what people are thinking. And then it's got to be a process to eventually be, be able to bring your significant other around and then be able to bring them around your parents and things like that. So have you reached that level yet? Is it still just growing? It's and, still, and it's still growing. But mm-hmm. you know, the, the thing is at that point, it's a, it's a, it's a two way street too. It's like, now it's not just, you know, me, you know, it's, uh, it's him too. Like if he's not comfortable with something, I don't want him to be around it. You know, if he doesn't feel comfortable going to a wrestling match or meeting my parents or, you know, or something like that, then, you know, it's not just about me. It's about it's about him, too. So, 
you know, he has to reach a certain level of comfortability as well. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm at the point now where, you know, it is what it is. If someone doesn't like me being with my significant other at, at a wrestling match or something like that, then, you know, I don't see their name up on the wall. <laughs> hey, where's your picture up there? Yeah, can you, can you point, should, point out which one's you? <laughs> show me your banner and then, you know, we'll have problems. But uh, <laughs> So, uh, you know, one thing that we want to ask you while we're here is what, what would you tell the people, and not just in Columbus, anyone who's listening to this that might be struggling with similar issues to what you were doing? Or some of the tips that you got along the way that right. can help you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest thing is, is you know, one, you know, even if you're not struggling in my situation, you 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 may be an athlete on a team is, uh, you know, just really watch what you say because you don't even, you know, half the time you don't think you're saying something bad because, one, you don't think anybody else on the team might be gay or something like that. And I don't want to make it just a, a gay issue. You know, it's a race issue. It's a, uh, a religion issue. You know, I, I'd hate for anyone to feel you know, left out or, you know, not part of the team because of, of, of a religion or because of a race or because of, you know, their, their sexual orientation. So, you know, just be mindful of that. And, you know, I hate the people that say, oh, this country's too PC and all this stuff. It's like, it's not about being PC. It's about being respectful of other people. I mean, you know, I don't want to go around and say something bad about you, you know, you know, you wouldn't want that, whether you think that's right or wrong, but, um, you know, just be mindful of that. And if you are in the same situation I was in, you know, and I hate calling it a situation because it's not a situation. It's a, it's just who I am or who you are. Um, just know that you're not, you're not alone. And uh, I think that was really the biggest thing for me is when I started reaching out to other people and, you know, because you would do anything to reach out to someone, you know, to, to find someone else to talk to them, just to have an email with someone that, you know, that you're actually talking to that you can finally you know, get off your chest of, you know, what's going on. And, uh, you know, it weighs on you after, after a long period of time, it just is like, yeah, man, it just is exhausting. You know, always, you know, it's not that you're lying. It's just that you're, you know, not telling the truth all the time. And, um, you know, just know that, know that you're not, you're not alone. There's a lot of other people out there just like you. And, um, you know, there's a big campaign out there that's called like, it gets better. And it's true. And, you know, you, you know, you may think, it's the worst thing in the in the world, and you know, I guarantee it, it. It gets better. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Mike. I think that's a perfect place to wrap up and kind of finish the show. Is there anything? Uh, so you just talked about the, it gets better. Is there any other like resources out that you know of that we can link up in the show notes? Or? Well, I think the like the Athlete Ally Group is a great organization. Uh, is that they, by Hudson? That's that? Hudson Taylor runs that, and and uh, Akil Patterson. Okay. Um, is a guy that also wrestled. He uh, Hudson wrestled with me again. Hudson wrestled with me. You know, growing up, I think I met him when I was probably 10 years old at the Tulsa National Tournament. And, um, you know, it's just kind of amazing just the pass cross so many times. I mean, I met him when I was 10, wrestled him in high school, wrestled him in college. And, you know, he ends up leaving college and, and helps start this organization. And it's a great organization. And what they do is they go around to um, um, different colleges and different sports organizations and, and really try to, uh, you know, set a platform for, you know, the, the LGBT community and not only that but you know straight allies as well to to make sure that you know you you're you know you're making sure that you're protecting the, your other athletes that are on the team so um they do a phenomenal job with it um you know and they, it gets better campaign and you know there's a lot of resources out there for everybody now that you know you can do your research on it and and you know to be honest you know the the, the world is in a better place today than it was 10 years ago um and it, it only gets better every day Awesome. Definitely. I, yeah, I think that's a great place to end, Mikey. And we really appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you guys and, having uh, me out, man. It was a good yeah. time. All right, Conkers. That's the end of the episode. If you like this episode or if there's anyone you think that this episode might help, please feel free to share it on social media. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, give us a rating on iTunes. It really helps. And we want to give one more big shout-out to our sponsors over at AWH and their builders of exceptional digital products for the web and mobile that drive business for select growth companies. And with over 4,500 applications developed and 10 million users enjoying AWH applications, they're focused on solving problems and improving lives through better software applications. To find out more about AWH, check out awh.net, which will be linked in the show notes, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. If you could drop me anywhere on the planet, in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in, in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done.
yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.